Talgo of Faudrin Chapter 4 The Siege of Gilhalla Talgo was woken by the rumbling sound of his own stomach. The pale light of day swam in through the small slits in the wooden walls which made for poor windows, large enough to let some light in but small enough that Talgo could not see any of Grakash through it. In the cage next to Talgo's, the prisoner still slept. Seeing him more clearly now, Talgo thought that he may have been every bit as skinny as he was, but the man's face was paler. He looked ill. After several minutes, which passed by as slowly as hours, a scourge arrived. It was the first time Talgo had seen one of these creatures in daylight. Now that he could see more detail, he saw that they were indeed hideous beings. The face of a scourge was the first thing that stood out. It looked like what Talgo imagined a sort of ghoul or demon from scary tales would look like. Every scourge he had met so far was able to stretch its mouth into the most repulsive grin, and this one was no different. Just when Talgo thought the grin could stretch no more, the grin itself would appear to grin, covering an inhuman amount of the scourge's face. Its fingers were disgustingly long, with dark brown fingernails which stretched out to a point. They were more like claws than nails. It was the scourge's hands that Talgo noticed now, for they were bearing what looked like food. It carried two plates with some greyish muck stuck to them. When the Skorg arrived at the sleeping man's cage, it kicked him to wake him up. Wake up, Skorn! it shouted. Eat this before it's gone! The man stirred, saw the plates that Skorg held, and groaned. Water! he breathed. No water today, scum! the Skorg said. Take this, and don't dare leave a crumb! Slowly, the man took the plate and immediately began shoveling the grey matter into his mouth. The skurg turned to Talgo. And you, boy, you will need your strength for today. Talgo took the plates from the skurg. He looked at the grey lump of food with suspicion. What is this? Best not to know, the skurg said before turning around and leaving. Talgo sniffed the grey stuff. The smell was faint, but certainly not appetising. It reminded him of some of the times Quartz made him polish his shoes. He touched it lightly with his fingertips. They slid into the foods and he felt a cold, spongy sensation from it. The scourge is right, boy, the skinny man spoke up. His voice was low and faint. Best not to know what it is, but best you get it into your stomach. Food is rare here. Targo lifted a small handful and placed it warily into his mouth. The taste was horrible, and he very nearly spat it out, but he forced the foods to the back of his mouth and swallowed with a grimace. He could feel the grimy substance slide down his throat, making its way to his stomach. He thought it may also make the journey back up and out of his mouth very shortly. The pair ate the rest of their nauseating meal in silence. 
The skinny man cleared his plate before throwing it weakly to the floor. Talgo took much longer and left a little on his plate. He was about to throw his on the floor when the man stopped him. If you're not going to eat that, give it here. It is a sin to waste such a rarity. Talgo passed the plate through his own cage and into the man's bony hand. He finished Talgo's leftovers in seconds before crashing the plates down next to his own. The skark reappeared with a key, freeing Talgo and leading him away down the corridor of cages. He passed the same prisoners he had seen the night before, but when he and the skark arrived at the wooden door he had come through, Talgo spotted a horror he hadn't seen. A naked man lay dead on the floor, what was left of his limbs stretched out in an X shape. It seemed the skargs had carved the flesh off of his bones because Talgo could see strips of it lying in a pile next to the body. Under his right hip, Talgo could see a small amount of bone still attached. This one dies too soon, the skark said with disgust. He did not give as much bone as we wanted. Horrified, Talgo looked away. He felt as though the grey matter he'd had for breakfast was indeed about to make a reappearance, but he tried not to think about what he had just seen, and the feeling passed. The skurg led Talgo outside the king's palace to where a band of skurgs had gathered. All of them were carrying a weapon of some sort. Talgo saw bows, swords, daggers, spears and axes. Each weapon looked poorly made, but Talgo thought they would be just as lethal. He guessed that a skurg would fight differently to a man. A man would fight to kill, where a skurg would want to injure, to keep its enemy alive so that it could eat their bones. The army of skurgs looked at Talgo as he was led outside. Most of them grinned. The skurg's speech of chattering clicks and strange rumbling filled his ears. He is the boy that will help us, one of the creatures jeered. How can he? asked another. He is far too small and skinny. Give him a sword, a large skurg growled. I will not lug it over the low hills and through the magic river. A skurg hurried around the corner with Talgo's great sword and handed it to him. The large skurg grabbed Talgo by the arm. Now no funny business, my boy. It's you against fifty skurgs. I would not like your chances against us. You have my words, Talgo said. He strapped the sheath onto his waist. Skurgs! The large one roared. March! The army slithered quickly away from the palace and through the jagged pathways of Grakash. They passed many other skurgs on the way out, all of which looked at Talgo with an expression he'd rather not have noticed. Two of the skurgs he passed had been in the middle of a vicious fight over a large bone which tumbled from one of their hands and into the muddy ground below them. When they were finally out of Grakash, they climbed a large hill. Talgo was disappointed that the hill did not slow the skurgs down. They all moved like reptiles up the hill with inhuman speed. This was no march. It was a run. I hope you can keep up, boy, a skurg with a crooked spear said. The skurgs urged Talgo onwards over steep hills that could well have been called mountains instead, sending him tumbling down one upon an occasion. Talgo's legs became tired and sore and he struggled for breath. Several hours passed and still the skurgs did not stop to rest. They covered the distance that Talgo had the day before in half the time, arriving at the magic river by midday. 
There, finally, the army rested. We'll take a breather here, the large skurg said. Gilhalla is near. The skurgs crawled towards the river, drinking its cool waters with cupped hands. Talgo joined them and found that the fresh water was the most refreshing thing which had ever passed between his lips. He threw some of the water over his head too and began to wonder if the river was perhaps magical after all. The break did not last long. It was interrupted when a skurg blew from an ugly curved horn. It was a single tone which blared, but it sounded out of tune. In any case, it won the attention of the army, who squirmed to the magic river, swimming across and awaiting the rest of them at the northern shore. Talgo entered the water timidly. This part of the river was much deeper than the one he had crossed before. Most of the skurgs were scarcely taller than Talgo, and the water reached their chests. For Talgo, the water rose up beyond his neck, almost reaching his chin. He had never been swimming before, and thought that he should drown if his foot finds a deeper part of the river. He wondered if any aid would come from the skurgs should he disappear under the water. When he arrived safely at the other end of the river and climbed up to dry land, Talgo found some of the skurgs laughing at him. They spoke to each other in their disgusting tongue, then continued to surge northwards. Beyond the magic river was a lush green land. Many things grew in these parts. Buzzing bees visited colourful wild flowers, and trees of all sizes and looks were scattered everywhere. The air smelled fresh and sweet, and the sun shone brightly on this day. If it weren't for all these foul creatures and the grim reasons for their being here, Talgo may have found some happiness in this place. After another hour, Talgo caught his first glimpse of the wizard's tower. He saw the thin, jagged points of the tower poking out between the trees he'd spotted it through. Its white points indicated towards the sun, which gleamed down upon them and made them shine. Although he could only see a small part of Gilhalla Tower, Talgo already felt its grandiose but somehow ominous presence, and felt as though if he could see this tower, then the tower could see him. A startling thought occurred to Talgo. He turned to the nearest skurg. Won't the wizards know we are coming? How can they know such a thing? the skurg spat back. Well, Talgo shrugged, they are magical people. They may see it. Perhaps they can sense such things. The skurg scowled. Do not play games, boy. We will not turn back. We attack the tower tonight. Talgo hadn't meant for the skurgs to turn back, but he felt that such an argument with the creature would be fruitless. He continued on. The army stopped in a cluster of trees at the foot of the great tower. The skurgs huddled and spoke in their own language, most likely debating how the attack should go. Talgo stood leaning against a tree, staring at the gigantic white tower. It was immeasurably huge. He wondered how it had been made. Did the wizards possess such power that could construct tall buildings such as this? What did the wizards do there all day? Where did they come from? How old were they? He discovered that he possessed somewhat of a desire to meet and speak with the magical people. He had no desire to see the Skurgs victorious over the wizards, even if they were as wicked as the Skurgs said they were. He had little time to ponder all of this when the Skurgs announced to Talgo that they were about to begin their siege. The archers formed a row and moved towards the river as the others looked on. Seeing the comparatively small frames of the Skurgs close in the mammoth tower made Talgo realise how futile this attempt to capture Gilhalla was. What did the Skurgs expect to happen? 
Was their plan to shoot arrows at the Grand Skilhalla Tower until it buckled and collapsed? And then what? The remaining Skurgs would surge forwards and slay the unsuspecting wizards, who would be so startled that they would forget to use their powerful magic. If it hadn't been such a dreadfully dangerous situation for Talgo, he might have laughed. The archers stopped where they were, while some of the Skurgs with axes set about cutting down a tree. They were looking up at the thin window, inside which a humanoid figure was sitting, unmoving. A wizard! The archers bent their bows, took time to aim, and fired. Most of the arrows bounced harmlessly off of the tower wall, but one found its mark. It sank deep into the wizard's chest, and Talgo watched with some horror as the body fell from the window and landed with a sickening crashing sound on the grass below. The Skurgs hooted with joy as the archers sprinted forwards to see if the wizard might somehow have survived. Talgo wondered whether they were really interested in the wizard's bones at all. Judging by their excited tones, it seemed as though they were happy with having slain a wizard. One of the Skurgs shoved Talgo. Go, boy. Go and see what will become of the wizard's scum. Talgo reluctantly began to walk towards the scene of the murder. As he got closer, the archers arrived at the body of the wizard they had killed. He could just make out their wide grins disappearing and being replaced by a look of confusion. One of them picked up the body easily and inspected it. It seemed that it was no wizard at all, but a sort of child's doll, only the size of a full-grown man. The wizards had painted a ridiculous face on it, which mocked the Skurgs with a grin of its own. Suddenly, from behind the archers, a tall man with a bald head appeared, wearing clean white robes. He had thick grey eyebrows which frowned down at the Skurgs in anger. In one hand he held a gleaming sword, in the other a staff. The Skurgs behind Talgo began shouting warnings for the archers, but it was already too late. With one skilled sweep, the wizards cut three of the Skurgs' heads cleanly from their shoulders, sending them tumbling and rolling onto the grass. The others turned on him just in time to either be cut down by the sword or struck on the head by the wizard's staff, which glowed in a strange blue light each time and sent the Skurgs to the ground, dead. The archers had all fallen. Talgo stopped in his tracks as the wizard spotted him. He turned his bald head in a gesture of confusion at seeing Talgo. The pair's eyes met, Talgo's wide and scared, the wizard's deep and gazing. Some of the Skurgs, who had remained at the trees, rushed past Talgo towards the wizard's weapons drawn. The wizard raised his staff and quickly drew it down, creating a sudden white flash and a loud bang. When Talgo could see again, he was gone. The Skurgs reacted angrily. They grabbed Talgo and thrust him towards the tree that had been cut down. You will aid us with the barrage, one of the Skurgs said. This is madness, Talgo pleaded. Look at what one wizard just did to the archers. We do not stand a chance against them. Hush, whelp, the Skurg commanded. He dragged Talgo towards the tree which the group had just cut down. Several of them were now carrying it towards the tower. To the front, the Skurg belched and threw Talgo towards the tree. Without protest, Talgo took a hold of a branch at the front and helped the Skurgs carry it towards the tower. They placed it with the thicker end at the front. Looking ahead, he spotted a great wooden door. 
eight or nine times the size and painted white to match the rest of the tower. This would be their target. After a rhythmical clicking in their own language, the Skurgs surged forwards with the great tree. They ran so quickly and without any warning that Talgo was just about swept under the tree and trampled by the Skurgs, but he managed to hold on. They ran faster than Talgo could keep up with, however, and his legs finally gave up. He clung on tightly to the tree as his feet dragged over the grass, losing their shoes as he went. Just before the ram finally reached the tower, the great doors swung open with a mighty force. Before the Skurgs could even think to stop, they flew the tree straight into the tower, the great wooden doors swinging shut behind them. When Talgo looked up, he found all five of the legendary wizards of Gilhalla. They charged forwards, staffs and swords in hand. You have been listening to Talgo of Foudrin, a fantasy novella set in the world of Moran by Chris Morris. Come back next week for the next chapter. 